In the midst of this global crisis, the voices for justice are revealing what really matters. It is time for Planetary Makeover. Here we feature solutions and modern miracles in documentary videos that offer hope for our future and remind us all of our spiritual source. Long ago, it was forecast that at this time in history, extraordinary teachers, including the world teacher, would emerge to help us as we build a world that works for everyone. Now, here's your host of Planetary Makeover, Mr. David Minot. Well, welcome everyone to another great show of Planetary Makeover. And it's a special show tonight because the woman behind the lens, Frances Oman, who's responsible for the vast majority of the great videos and short movies that we see on this show, is actually going to be in one of them. Once again, we're showing one of her videos. And this one is one where we get to see Francis in action. And tonight we ask the question, what would happen if a great teacher came into the world and announced himself, you know, the kind that all the great religions have posited would appear someday, a Messiah, an Imam Mati, a Krishna, a Buddha, a Christ, or simply a world teacher. What would they have to say and would we listen? That's what this show explores today. And I'm sure you'll have a lot of questions afterwards. And if you recall, and if you don't, there's our number. You notice I blacked out the other one because I realize that this primary number is really the best one. So I will repeat the number several times throughout the show, the 888-627, and it's tough to read these backwards, 6008. So, as I said, what would they be saying if such a great uh, leader came into the world? This is what Francis' video is about. And would we listen? Now, you know we always ask that you approach this material with an open mind. And of course, everybody says, oh, I can do that. Um, not, not realizing that this is, you know, one of the hardest things in the world to do. It's very rare, including for me. Because what, what do we do when we're confronted with a new concept like this? We run it by what we already know. If it agrees, we'll let it in. If it doesn't, we usually reject it. And why is that? Well, it threatens the status quo of our own consciousness. And that's threatening to people. It means we have to think, change the way we think, the way we live, the way we do things. And that's just too much work. So, so don't be like that. <laughs> and I'll try not to be like that too. So what we're positing and what we hope this figure, this new world teacher is proposing, is a civilization, as is mentioned in the intro, that works for everyone. That actually works, period, because as you see, the one we're working in now is pretty dysfunctional. So, as in this show, as in all of our shows, we're asserting that humanity is not alone, that there already is a group of fantastically evolved and wise teachers here to help us and guide us. Now, you know, there's always somebody that doesn't get the memo. <laughs> this is the number you dial, not me. <laughs> now, where was I? Oh, yes, we were talking about the masters, the masters of wisdom, we call them, that they're already out in the world. And what they are is masters over their own energies, not masters over us or anyone else. And they're actually human beings. You and I will be masters of wisdom, too, several lifetimes from now. And they're here to assist humanity in. I had to pause. I got a message from my producer and you have to always listen to the producer. 
to assist humanity in creating this wonderful new world. And that's something that we we are going to do. We, meaning you and I, because as Maitreya, the world teacher, who we always talked about, said, I'm only the architect of the shining temple of truth, was it he said? You, my friends, are the willing builders. So as he, as he also put it, and I will paraphrase him, there is nothing in this world, if needed, that cannot be accomplished by man. So this will make what seems impossible now a very possible and probable future. And just to give you a heads up, on the next show, which will be December 7th, before Hanukkah, I'll be interviewing California's well-known theater director and actor, Marsha Kimmel, the thoughtful skeptic, as we call her. And Francis has interviewed her before on our podcast, you may have heard of SOAR. And we're going to get an update from Marsha on her view of world events and of the emergence of the world teacher and how this fits in to the over, overall planetary scheme of things and her unique perspective, which we always value. And speaking of interviews, one of these days, we're going to have to get Francis on here to interview too. Do you hear that, Francis? You're next because I'm tired of just talking about this woman who you never see. Now, of course, tonight you'll get to see a bit of Francis, but you won't actually get to interview her or talk with, with her. And we like to have her on sometime when she, she can actually answer questions. So back to the subject of tonight's show, what would this great teacher talk about? And what if, what if they did show up? Well, believe it or not, we at Planetary Makeover assert that such a great teacher a son of man, one of the most advanced of humanity, perhaps the most advanced member of all of humanity, and make no mistake, he is human, is already here. Maitreya is already here in the world and has been here, as you heard Francis mention in her one of her previous videos. Well, it was in the script anyways, that he showed up in 77, 7777 was when he first emerged from his ancient retreat in the Himalayas. And it was about a week later, I think, I forget the exact date, that he acclimated himself down on the plains of Pakistan, India, and got on a plane and flew to London. So we're asserting that this person is already here and has been assisting behind the scenes for years, unobtrusively, under another name, because... They wanted to seem, they meaning the master's wisdom, brotherhood of compassion, spiritual hierarchy of the planet, and their friends, disciples, sort of kind of followers, teachers. I, I should say they're, they're students like us here on planet Earth like to say that, well, we like to say that they're, they're preparing the way for the future, and they're just here to help, as I said. So, since we claim that Maitreya is already here, what's he been doing? Doing television interviews, appearing to groups, sometimes religious groups, with, <laughs> with sometimes humorous and mixed results, and to world leaders, and to audiences of all kinds, who saw him as a man talking about peace and justice and sharing and restoration of the planet. And perhaps you've seen this person too. He's done hundreds of television interviews and you might've already seen him. And he's waiting for a critical mass of humanity to ask that he be invited back on television to speak to a, to a wider audience, to a worldwide audience. And this has been planned for some time, for some 38 years since 1982, I think, that he should do a worldwide television broadcast and everyone would see him. And it would be a transformative moment for humanity. Well, I say moment more like we're hoping about 45 minutes. And we wouldn't be the same after that. Of course, even then you wouldn't have to believe it, but it'd be such a stunning revelation that it'd be hard to ignore. Because as I think Maitreya might have put it himself, 
the day is coming when this phenomena and his presence will pass all gainsaying. Even the most abject mind, which I can't imagine any of us are, would deny, would deny his presence. And since you're all listening now that you've been primed with an open mind, I'm sure that you're quite capable of doing the same. I'm no better than you. I'm no more, and I'm no more enlightened or educated than you are. And that's going to be my goal. We'll see if I can achieve it. And if you don't believe it, that's okay. If you don't believe me, that's all right. But don't give me a hard time about it because if you do, I am going to employ Gore Vidal's four favorite words in the English language. I told you so. <laughs> because I'm not that highly evolved yet. Well, and speaking of the highly evolved, that's who we want to hear from. And so I'm going to step aside and let the producer, let the video roll, because I think it is about that time. I'm here on my own, so I'm going to have to make the determination. So, yes, let's do it. Let's, um, oh, and one more time, let me show you the, there's the phone number to call in after the video. So be thinking about what you want to ask while it's running. And Mr. Producer, let it roll. Francis, you have interviewed British author and lecturer Benjamin Cram and spent a great deal of time with him. And Mr. Cram has been speaking about, he's been speaking with, he's been writing about Maitreya since the 70s. Could you tell us more about Benjamin Krim and about his relationship with Maitreya, please? I've interviewed him on, on TV. I've um, had many, many in interviews with him and been privy to some um, extraordinary uh, experiences. My overall experience of Benjamin Krim is that he, first of all, he does not take a red cent or a farthing <laughs> for anything that he does. He travels around the world simply giving the information as he knows it. Um, he he's does quite it. elderly now. Yes, he's pushing 90, he's almost completely blind, and, um, and he's still doing it. He's still traveling. He's incredibly articulate. He's very, very articulate. He's completely up on the social and economic uh, statistics and what's happening in the world, the economy, what underlies the decadence of this economy. Um, He's lighthearted and playful and, and completely incisive into the main issues of today. And so he and Maitreya have been in contact since the 70s. Um, 1959, actually. Not, uh, Maitreya, Maitreya came down out of the Himalayas in, um, on 7-7-77. That's, um, you know, seven is the number for the age of Aquarius. Um, and uh, he came down at that time, uh, July 7th, 1977. But he's been in contact with Benjamin Crimson since 1959. And so they've been in pretty constant contact? Well, um, Benjamin Cram is in moment by moment telepathic rapport with his master, which is how much of this information is getting delivered to us. Um, that's very different. Everybody and his brother is channeling these days. It's very different from channeling. Um, um, channeling happens through the solar plexus, um, clairvoyance, and um, so on, and is wonderful and powerful and does a lot of good. Uh, mental overshadowing is what happened when um, Jesus was overshadowed by the Christ. The Christ worked through Jesus for three years from the baptism to the crucifixion. At that time, Jesus became the Christ. I'm not saying that Benjamin Cram is the Christ. No, 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 not at all. Although people joke and say he's been the Baptist, but um, he's um, uh, basically in rapport, not with Maitreya, not with the Christ, not with the Buddha, but he is in rapport with his own master, who is one of the disciples. 
So this disciple is one of the Space Brothers, otherwise known by other students of the esoteric tradition as one of the Masters of Wisdom. Yeah, the, actually, the Masters of Wisdom is what they're called on this planet. Other planets, we call the, the Masters of Wisdom on other planets Space Brothers. But we're all human beings. Even the Pope, the dear Pope, who I don't agree with on everything, um, has said that life exists on other planets. And in fact, Adamski... Um, who was one, the first person to actually photograph um, spacecraft from out of, from not from our planet, and to converse with people from other planets? It, it has been proven and documented that he did um, have an audience with the Pope at that time, um, and was given the little coin that the Pope only gives to people who have had a private audience with him. So that's all been documented, and so. The establishment, Christian establishment, has known this was going to happen. In fact, Benjamin Krem says that one of the jobs of this new age is to clean up the integrity of all of the religions, that Maitreya is not here to replace religions. Everybody should follow whatever religion, you know. Jews should follow their religion. Muslims should follow. Very important. Um, on the other hand, um, the corruption in whichever of the religions is there needs to be cleaned up, and that Maitreya says that that Jesus, and this is very controversial, but because often Maitreya is called the Christ, he's called the Buddha, the Christ, he's often called the Christ, well then who is Jesus? It's like the great being who is Maitreya literally worked through Jesus when Jesus was alive. I know this is very hard. Talk about something that's improbable and that's hard to get your mind around. Um, but according to Benjamin Cram and his master, and and you know, decades of, of writings from Blavatsky, Helena Kotrovna Blavatsky, Alice A. Bailey, Helena Rorick, these women have worked with the masters from, from the Himalayas and have put out volumes and volumes of books of, of their present, of their, um, uh, of the presence of, of these great masters. So, how does Benjamin Graham occur for you when you talk about all of this? I experience such integrity and presence with him. I, I'm a, I'm, as a journalist, I must come at things, and I do. I mean, I have this part of my brain where I come at things saying, I doubt it. All the way through documenting crosses of light. It's like, I don't believe this. Which, which taught me something important about believing something. That maybe believing something is that you had an experience and then you turned it into ice. And you kind of bring that hunk of ice with you everywhere you go. And maybe it's better to not believe anything and to be open. And I think that's one of the things that touches me and makes all of this tie together so beautifully. Is that um, without being a groupie or a true believer or a culty or something like this, I can really report from my journalist's point of view that in all of my investigating into what Benjamin Cram is, he is so authentic, so present, so um, well-educated. Um, I've interviewed people who say, well, I, I've read all of his books and I I like to think everything he says is true, and but you know, if it all turns out to be a hoax, that's okay with me, because it's what I, it's what the world needs to hear anyway. We heard some rumors coming out of London that there's a, um, there's a man there who's a political and social leader who's talking about brotherhood and sharing all the resources of the world and ending starvation and think something like that could happen? A person like that could come into the world? Um, well, it, I think it's possible. So what do you think? If somebody like that came into the world and everybody, you know, like TV and everybody interviewed him and people realized who he was, what do you think would be the first thing he would do? He would probably uh, 
um, try to get all the leaders of the countries to get in one meeting and try to agree on one plan. I would be grateful that something like this was finally happen happening. Because I mean, I think it's, I think it should have happened a long time ago, and that you know, and if this guy had been around 40 or 50 years ago, he wouldn't have had nuclear weapons at all. The Christ comes as a world teacher for the whole of humanity, and he is awaited by other groups, other religions, just as fervently. They know him by other names. The Jews, of course, know him as the Messiah. And they wait for the Messiah, as they have done for millennia. He came as a Jew in Palestine, and they did not recognize him. He is awaited by the Muslims under the name of the Imam Mahdi. And he is awaited by the Hindus as Krishna. He is awaited by the Buddhists under his real name, Maitreya. They wait for the fifth Buddha, Maitreya Buddha, foretold to come now by the previous Buddha, Sakyamuni Buddha. So how have uh, people in Japan taken to the message? I use the word Christ, I use the word Maitreya, Maitreya Buddha. It is indeed a spiritual crisis through which humanity is now going. That spiritual crisis is focused through the political and economic field. Hence the ferment in every country of the world as it adjusts itself to the impact of the new energies and seeks to get rid of the hindrance of the old decaying structures, the old political and economic structures which hold humanity back from expressing its true spirituality. And when I say spiritual, I don't mean necessarily religious. The Christ will show that every aspect of our life can be and must be spiritual that the religious path is only one path, that the spiritual path, the path to God, to achieved spirituality, is broad enough, wide enough, varied enough to accommodate all people, the religious person and the non-religious person. And in every aspect of our life, in every field of endeavor, moment to moment, that which we can call God can be experienced and expressed through all our many different occupations and concerns. Religious, political, economic, social, scientific, artistic, and so on. All those paths equally are divine and lead to the divine. Now, events such as in Ethiopia, or, or Biafra, India, and so on, are disease spots of a diseased entity which is this planet at this moment the only cure for that disease is the acceptance of the principle of sharing the redistribution of the resources of the world more equitably around the world that is a solution which the christ will posit and present to the world as the only way out of this dangerous impasse It was a very clear experience of the reappearance of the Christ. Okay, I did some investigation work um, in regards to Ben Krem, and I was... She was there two months ago. In the, um, at the interview at his house, we had an overshadowing, and it was very beautiful. Su rostro se iluminó completamente. El rostro de quién? De Benjamin Krem. Okay, um, the, Benjamin's face um, appeared to me very clearly. Y se iluminó todo el cuarto con una luz dorada muy intensamente. And the whole room was lit up with a golden light, very brilliant. I've told people of my experience of what happened in India as well as with, with Benjamin Krem. And they're all looking forward to um, for what I have to say of, of the Christ. Eh, espero regresar a México dando 
Nuevas noticias. During this experience, I've learned a lot, and I plan to go back to Mexico to relay my experiences. In England and through them abroad know who they're dealing with. Their problem has been to see him fully, completely, in their sense of the Christ. Because if they're Christians, they probably imagine he's sitting up on a on a cloud and you know, the right hand of God somewhere up in a place called heaven, you know? And so they've had a certain difficulty, but he has given them an extraordinary number of experiences which would prove to you and to me that he is the Christ. And they are a bit divided. There are those who are ready and willing to go ahead and make an announcement. There are those who are counseling caution. But they have agreed on a modus operandi by which they have agreed with him and he has accepted it as perfectly suitable to make a statement that a man claiming to be the Christ, no more than that, a man claiming to be the Christ does indeed live in the Asian community, the Pakistani community in London. But he presents himself as a world teacher for, for all groups, religious and otherwise. That he wishes to meet with the media representatives of all the nations precisely in order to present his credentials. And if he is invited to do so, to address the whole of humanity and the linked television channels in such a way as would convince the world of his true status. And in fact, from my contacts in the community, it would appear that he's already not waiting, he's going ahead anyway. And very short people will emerge in different continents who have had a certain experience, all of them the same, all of them relating to one man, that one man who is now living as an ordinary man in London, waiting to be accepted by the world as the Christ. So when he started the process, it is a process, and I may not give you the details of it, but the process is such that individuals in more than one continent will come forward having had a particular experience, and that experience they will show relates to one man, and that one man is the Christ. And so many will have had this that it will focus it absolutely on this individual now living in London who is indeed the Christ. Then he will be invited to speak to the whole world. There will be no gainsaying. And this is so positive, this is so valuable, so beneficial for humanity that the, the idea that this could be the Antichrist or some maleficent force which the fundamentalist Christians are inclined to think, those who believe me at all, uh, will be, they will not have a leg to stand on. It is so beneficial that the world will not believe he is our Lord Christ. I guess I don't have a real intellectual answer. I have read uh, Reappearance of the Christ and have thought about it, and there's nothing that I can say that, that really proves it for me on an intellectual level. It's just something that, in my own intuition, feels right. It's felt right for me when I've listened to the messages of the Maitreya. It feels very right to me, and it's really something that I want to hear and need to hear. And um, if this whole thing <laughs> ended up being a hoax, I don't feel that I've lost anything. But the reason that, as we most believe, that the Christ is in the world and uh, is, the, is the logic of, uh, of what Benjamin has had to say and the logic of the background material that I've studied. I studied to be a minister, and uh, at that time I studied all the world's religions, and honestly, honestly, none of them really make any sense to me. <laughs> none of them, and this work does. The things make sense to me. Uh, the ideas that, that, uh, that are put forth and the reasons why the Christ would be in the world make sense, and things do fit together. The events that are happening in the world, the, uh, the interest in, in hunger, the, the concern that people have for one another that has developed over the past five years is just too overwhelming to not recognize it as something that is connected with something larger. I felt like a child at Christmas <laughs> that I had waited for this so long that it was hard to believe he was actually here and I was really hearing this and the energy that I felt from this man and the light that I saw around him was more of a conviction to me that this must be true. It was nearly five years ago that I first heard of Benjamin Krem and then I proceeded to meet him and when I met him and received the vibrations and the consciousness, the sincerity, the humility of this man, it's thoroughly convincing. Hi, Brad. Hi, 
necessary. You talked about a part of you being brought out by doing this work. Found that involvement in this work has enabled me to, to remain idealistic and optimistic about the future of uh, humanity. I've never had some of the profound experiences that many people have had, you know, during Ben's lectures. No visions of the uh, of the Christ, you know, uh, no uh, no reception of the so-called laser beam. But um, perhaps maybe what I've gained more importantly for myself is a um, realization, a reminder that we're, you know, we're all in this boat together, all of us humanity, and that we all need to work together along whatever you know line we can uh, from whatever point we are, and that uh, no. A little bit of work is, is too small. The next step forward, the destined plan, planned by the deity who ensouls the, the planet, the next step forward for humanity is the creation of right human relationships. Right relationships between man and man and between man and God. Now, if one person is starving to death in a world of plenty, a world which is burgeoning with food, then you don't have right human relationships. When you have 450 million starving to death, then, of course, you have the very opposite of right human relationships. To take the next step forward in our evolution, we must share. And on that basis rests the whole future of this earth. That is the nature, perhaps in more eloquent words, that is the nature of the choice which, which the Christ will present to humanity on the Day of Declaration. On the Day of Declaration, which I believe to be imminent, he will make a great appeal to humanity. He will present us with two choices, which really are hardly choices at all. One, to continue as we are and destroy ourselves. Continue on this greedy, selfish, nationalistic, confronting way of, of acting and distress. Or else, as I say, accept the principle of sharing and create a civilization such as this world has ever, never known. And he says, my heart tells me your answer, your choice, and is glad. So he knows already, even if humanity itself doesn't know, that we have inwardly accepted the principle of sharing. He cannot simply wave a wand and say there will be no war. Please, God, don't let it happen. He can't do that. It's up to us. We are, as a, as a race, grown up. Humanity has come of age. We are grown up and have to make our own decisions. And he comes, he says, as the architect only of the plan. We, he says, are the willing builders of the temple of truth. Every step of the way has to be taken by man himself, now under the inspiration openly, outwardly, it has always been there from the inner sense, but openly and outwardly from the Christ and his disciples, the masters of wisdom. On our decision, as I say, rests the whole future of the world, and he believes it will be positive. He said, have no fear that mankind will reject me. My plans are safe in your hands but we have to know where we stand in relationship to the principle of sharing. Are we ready, individually, for the principle of sharing? This principle is a very difficult principle for, I have found, a lot of people in the West to accept. Because they believe they have to give up something. But all we have to give up is our greed, our selfishness our need to have an enormous surplus so we feel secure. In America, and not only America, all the major nations, all the developed nations, have this mentality. And so they store food, they store materials, always against the eventuality of war. On that day, the Day of Declaration, you will see this extraordinary man on your television set. But he will not speak, he will not say a word. His ideas, his thoughts, will enter silently into each of our minds in our own language. So in England, we will hear him in English. Here, you will hear him in what you like to call English. <laughs> At the same time, the French will hear him in French, the Germans and Germans, the Russians and Russians, the Chinese and Chinese, and so on and so on. From his omniscience, 
his omnipresence. But Christ will mentally overshadow the whole of humanity simultaneously and make his appeal, his call in this way. And this is a repetition on, of course, now on a worldwide scale of what actually happened at the Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Wherever you are on that day, say it was 3 o'clock, Greenwich Mean Time on Sunday, whatever, it will be different times, of course, different parts of the world, but wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you will hear the, the thoughts, the ideas of the Christ in your head. And, of course, our response to that will determine the whole future of the world. That is one time it were, would be useful to watch television. It will be. <laughs> I can promise you a good program that day. Can you imagine the effect, the results of such a communication? Simultaneously, hundreds of thousands of spontaneous miracle cures will take place all over the world, which will reinforce, if that were even necessary, that this one, and of course only this one, is indeed the Christ. The days of the false Christ, the days of the false teachings, the false prophecies, the days of the false prognostications, the, the impersonations and so on of the Christ will be over. Many groups today believe their teacher to be the Christ, their guru, their teacher. You know. The world is filled with them. They write to me all the time, they telephone me, they come to my door. The Christian groups are spreading their message of hate. That is the sad thing. It is a message of hatred, of division, of separation into the world. The more fundamentalist ones. While in the church itself, the broader church, there is a ferment of change going on. The churches are among the most concerned today in the, the Holocaust which is taking place in the Third World, the starving millions. Recently, the head of Christian Aid in England resigned from the post. He, his name is Charles Elliot. He was in a, an underground train in London and a man came up to him a man, he said, of an extraordinary man, a man whose brilliance of his eyes and stature and presence were so compelling that when the man said to him, come with me, he left the train with him. He just got off the train and walked out onto the platform. And that man said to him, Christian aid is doing a lot, but it must do much, 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 much more. So he resigned from Christian aid in order to devote himself to galvanize the governments and so on into taking seriously, in a total sense, the fact of the starving millions. That man was one of the masters. That man who met him is with the master in London. There is a master in London, there's one in New York, and now about 12 masters living in the world as yet undeclared. After the day of declaration, the Christ will introduce to the world that first group of 12 masters, and then eventually, one by one, two by two, over about 25 years yet, the masters of the hierarchy will enter into our midst and take, take us by the hand, as they say, into the new age, to guide us and help us in creating that truly spiritual civilization based on the true spiritual nature, identity of man. That age, that future, that divinity is, I believe, just beginning. This day of declaration I believe now to be so imminent. I'm happy to have had the opportunity of presenting you with these facts. But my coming means change Specifically the greatest change will be in the heart My return among is a sign that men are ready to receive new life. 
Now, was that amazing or what? I'm so glad that I let Frances introduce Ben Krem and out myself. She's such a spectacular job of that. Now, I want to share with you the number again because we're hoping that this video has elicited a lot of questions in you and that you'll want to ask us and share your opinions with us. And so here's the number again, which is 888-627-6008. And also, there is the site where you can get the books by Benjamin Krem and other related video and audio materials. And we will mention that more than once again before we finish. And hopefully we'll hear from you to help inspire us with even more questions and more insights. And um, until we get some people in here, some of the questions that may have come up in people's minds would be, well, where did you hear about this in the first place? And I know some of the people there described it. We had, we had one um, sort of student of the Aegis Wisdom teaching who had a book fall off a bookshelf and hit him in the head. And that was one of, one of Ben's books or one of Alice Bailey's books. I'm not sure what. But the common theme is it comes from the inside out. Nobody was proselytized into studying this material. They were inspired by their own intuition. And I know for myself, I heard about it back in 1982, and it was such a letdown when when it didn't end up uh, occurring at that time. But of course, that wasn't Maitreya's fault. That was mankind's fault for not responding. But that's probably another story for another show. So I was thinking of some other questions and also the vibration of the books, of the people that talk about it, of the message itself. This is also what has attracted people. And you notice one participant in the video say it was like Christmas, which is a wonderful characterization. It was like a gift. And also people ask, well, what meditation should I practice? Well, you heard, I think we heard Ben mention that transmission meditation, which is a world service and not just a personal meditation. And through this, you grow spiritually, speeds up your revolution and helps out the entire planet. And also, as I said before, we want to once again mention Ben's books. If I'm holding this upright, it's share-ecart.com, where you can find all of the books, which you can also find on Amazon, but it'd be easier and better to find them here, where everything is concentrated, and we can take it from there. And uh, let me see if we get, nope, we still don't have any questions yet. Go ahead, people. There's the phone number. Call in or else I'm going to have to keep asking the questions. And another one would be, well, how can I get involved? That's something that Francis reminded me of. Francis, the uh, woman who you finally saw in the video and who creates most of our videos. How can you get involved? Well, like I mentioned, there is transmission meditation, which is a world service. And there's also other forms of service. You can read the books. You can get involved in whatever world issue inspires you and has inspired you by reading the books. You can start talking about this publicly at whatever level you understand it. Share it with others. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like an expert. You can, you can talk about it at whatever level you find yourself at. And Maitreya has said himself that no one is too young, too old, too large, too large a public figure, too small, too self-effacing, too shy to speak about this and to share it with the world at whatever level they understand it. And that's what Maitreya and the masters want, not for us to repeat what they've said, to necessarily quote them all the time, which unfortunately I find myself doing and find myself quoting Ben, as you noticed, you could hear him repeat some of that in the video, but to put it in your own words, 
to speak from speak from the heart because that that's what really moves people that's what touches other people at a heart level you end up having a heart to heart literally discussion and from there you can even go to to the soul level you could be speaking to your audience from the soul level and that that would that would really move people because we don't experience that very often but on the day of declaration that Ben talked about that's the level at which you'll experience Maitreya's message he won't say anything but you will all hear him in your own language telepathically and it will be like nothing you've ever experienced before <laughs> like um the feeling of childhood the trust the love the wonderment all that will come back and people will literally cry oh looks like we've got somebody somebody on the line here and if the producer could pipe them through and then i could speak to him and i understand he's on line 2 mark is that you hi david i have a question Yes, Why Mark. would the, uh, the masters come and Maitreya at this particular time? Is there a reason that this time was the time they chose to come back? That's a good question. Uh, we understood originally it wasn't supposed to happen for perhaps hundreds or even thousands of years. The reason they're coming now, Mark, is because humanity is at a crisis point. And it all started with World War II and the deployment of nuclear weapons. At that point, the hierarchy realized that mankind didn't know quite how to responsibly use the gift of nuclear energy and was misusing it. And that we had the, we had the opportunity, we had the chance to destroy all life on earth. At that point, Maitreya realized that he'd need to show up soon. He did say he wanted to wait for humanity to adopt a modicum of sharing and of peace and he waited, and he waited, and he waited after World War II. First, it was hoping he'd be here in the early 50s. But finally, he said, after speaking to Ben in 59, he finally said, ready or not, here I come. And that was in 77. So that's why he's here now, Mark, because we're at a crisis point in humanity, and we could use a little, a little nudge to help us make, make it over the hump of the crises we're experiencing now and not prematurely end this experiment of evolution that we're on because we didn't come this far to blow it now. Been here for millions of years and perhaps millions of years to come thanks to this phenomena happening right now. Does that answer your question, Mark? Or did you have another question or would you like me to go into that further? Yeah, please go into it a little further. That does answer my question, but I'd like to know more. Well, now that Maitreya is out in the world, he and the masters, and how many did Ben say there were? About 12 at this point? They're inspiring people in fields across the globe and across the board. Why? To help us get through this period right now. And he is helping as... Francis, our producer, put it, give, give the people's voice more bandwidth. So the voice of the people will ring across the world and change the planet. That governments will have to bow to the will of the people. That people power is the new world superpower. And since we've come into this particular age, the age of Aquarius, all pop songs aside from the late 60s, which really was the dawning of, of the age of Aquarius. Now change will happen through, through groups, not through individuals. That's what's most important. Group movement, group change, working as a team and to transform the world, to end hunger, to restore the ecology, to restore basic human rights like health care for all, housing for everyone, enough food to end starvation, throughout the planet, which we already have. We just need to distribute it properly. Justice and equality for all, a living wage for everyone, and enough leisure time for humanity to ponder where do we come from? 
Why are we here? And where are we going? That would, that would go a long way towards explaining and fulfilling the purpose of Maitreya and the master's reemergence at this time. And also to Mark to get humanity to recognize that God is in you. When I'm listening to you, I'm listening to the voice of God with a small G. And when I see my fellow human beings out there on the street or in the hallway or at work or on the train, in parks, in buildings, across the countryside, who am I seeing? I'm seeing literally the face of God because God just isn't, you know, transcended out there. He's imminent. He's in here. And of course, we've heard that for years, for generations. But do we really grasp it? I wonder. So, Mark, uh, any other questions? Would you like me uh, to go no, into that any further? No, thank you very much. You're welcome. And thank you for calling. And you see, this is, a, this is a good example. Mark had prompted me to discuss things, some of which that had slipped my mind and that I probably wouldn't have talked about tonight. And that's what we mean by team work, team group, team group work. <laughs> and another good example, which I only mentioned in passing, which we should also mention again, as far as teamwork, is transmission meditation. I've been running a transmission meditation group at my house off and on for the last 19 years and more on than off the last six years. These groups are all over the country and all over the world. Now, how is that different from transcendental meditation? Well, as we have said, transmission meditation is, is a world service. It's not just for you. It's not just a personal meditation. And what we're doing is we're we are accessing the upper chakras, depending on person's point in evolution, and the energy is going through your chakras and back out into the world. And for a point of reference, look at this up here. You see that lithograph up there? That's one of Ben's, Benjamin Krim, who you saw tonight. And that one's called meditation. The red circle, that would be the heart chakra, the horizontal orange lines, that would be the throat chakra. The downward facing triangle, that would be the Ajna center. And the upward facing would be the crown chakra. And so when you do transmission meditation, you're feeding all the kingdoms on the planet. Mineral, plant, animal, human, and onto where the masters reside, what they call the kingdom of souls. So you're sort of, hmm, you could say you're helping refill the well or the fountain of spiritual energy from which all of creation drinks. And I'm sure I didn't make that one up either. I think I read that somewhere. In this way, you're helping the evolution of the planet the mineral to the plant, the plant to the animal, the animal to the human, and the human, you and I, to the kingdom of souls. So the purpose of meditation is to sort of, to use a computer analogy, download the energy of the soul into the vehicles, into the physical brain, into the physical body, the mental body, the emotional body. And in this way, you become everything you want to be, everything that's most desirable in life, smarter, more creative, great for artists like me, that's some of my work behind me, calmer, less emotional, um, stronger mental uh, powers. And as the producer has pointed out to me, also enhances other med meditations, other personal meditations. And it also is complementary to not just other forms of meditation, but other spiritual practices, be it religious or non-religious. So to get back to my uh, analogy of downloading the computer, it's downloading into you, as I said, powers of greater creativity, 
a stronger love nature, a greater ability to both to send and receive love, a more balanced emotional nature, a more powerful mental nature, increasing your intelligence, making you more creative, making your body healthier. And who wouldn't want all of those things? Plus, they say that one year of transmission meditation, done properly, is the equivalent to about 10 years worth of ordinary meditation. Now, myself, I'm still working on it. And some of you out there will say, well, I've tried meditation, but I can't do it. We all feel that way. Even us that practice it, a lot of times, there's still a lot of room for improvement. I do a lot of uh, mind wandering during meditation, a lot of reverie, as they say. And so I need to pre- I need to work on it too. And what's one of the simplest ways of helping correct that? Well, you can focus at the Ajna Center. Just say Om silently, not outwardly. Om inwardly, and the attention will go from the solar plexus, which is the seat of consciousness for most of humanity at this time, up here to the Ajna Center, because in this age. That's what the goal is. That's what we want to do. We want to get the intention from the solar plexus, the gut, the instinct, the emotions, so that we can be less gut and emotion oriented and more intuition and more love oriented to make you more brilliant, healthier, smarter, more creative, all of those things. And this will make for a better world. They also say that Transmission meditation practiced regularly sort of imbues and saturates the area where it's practiced with a certain energy, and that radiates out to the surrounding neighborhood. They say that if it's properly and regularly practiced, it can help lower the crime rate in the area. Of course, they could say that about a lot of forms of meditation, but this one is particularly powerful. And for that reason, Even for that reason alone, wouldn't you want to practice it? I don't know about you, but I live in the city and my neighborhood can get really crazy at times. (laughs) I think we need all the meditation we could get. I know I do, speaking for myself. And even after almost 20 years of it, I could definitely use more intelligence, more creativity, and more of a loving nature and being less reactive, less emotional, less acting just instinctually, not that instinct is bad, it's good in some cases, um, and acting more intuitively. Now, instinct helps us jump out of the way of a speeding bus, you know, not and knowing not to wind across the street and that sort of thing, and we need it for that. But we don't want to use the gut necessarily when we're trying to make world decisions that's affecting millions of people and affecting our families and ourselves in profound ways. We're much better off if we move it up here. And I just got another reminder that we should mention the Facebook page. I know most of you are on Facebook, especially the younger generations. And I can say younger generations because I'm in my 60s now. So everybody's young to me. And we have a, a, um, we're a planetary makeover. That's our name on Facebook. All you do is enter that and boom, we'll pop up. Now, we're not streaming live on Facebook, but there's links there to the live broadcast if you follow them so you can see this. There's also links to our archives. So all the shows we've already produced and all the shows that we're going to produce will eventually show up there. And you can give us ideas by leaving messages on the Facebook page. And you can also go to our website, which of course is planetarymakeover.org. And we'll pro- we, I'm wondering, you know, I'm not sure if, if we're on um, Twitter yet. We on Twitter yet, Francis? Say something. Um, I'm talking to my, my iPad over here. But from Facebook, um, people can share it. Millions of people can share it, and then we can get the word out to everyone, and we can speed up this evolution that we are trying to, that we're trying to, to achieve, that we have to achieve. 
And uh, as I've been reminded, it's hashtag planetary makeover. But with Facebook, even if you if you forget the hashtag, it'll still show up, but use it anyways. It will make it show up that much faster. So think about this. Um, this is evolution. This is moving forward. This is something we all want to do. It has very practical applications, as I've explained. And I think I've given you enough to think about, don't you? So with that, I'm going to wrap up and we will see you next week or rather not next week. The weeks are going by so fast. It seems like only last week that I talked to you two weeks from now, two weeks from now, we bet we'll be back with Marsha Kimball. And with that, I'd like to wish everyone a wonderful day or night, depending on where you are and when you're watching this, whether it's today or tomorrow or next year. So take care, everyone. Be well and look into this further. And thank you so much for spending time with us today. Tune in right here in two weeks for the next Planetary Makeover Show as we watch and discuss another video by Francis Oman in light of the timely and non-denominational ageless wisdom teachings that will fill your spirit and inspire you with hope for the future, a world that works for everyone. So be prepared to call in and share your views and questions in another uplifting episode of Planetary Makeover. Makeover.